Hello, and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking, and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you hear any background noise, it is my friend's dog. (laughs) In the event that you hear any rustling sounds, it is my friend's dog. So with that said, if you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent, guardian, or a trusted adult before continuing to tune into my podcast episodes. Okay, so we're gonna dive right into our topic, but first I wanna introduce a very, very special guest one of my favorite people on earth her name is b and she's going to tell you a little bit about herself before we dive right into our topic go ahead b hi um this is bella or b (laughs) um and i live in south florida in miami um i am 28 years old i work in communications um social media marketing to be exact um and i know olivia because she was my recovery coach um, when I was 16 years old at a local uh, treatment center when I was being treated for bulimia. And we just never lost touch. And I'm grateful that we never lost touch. Thank you for sharing that, Bella. Um, So I guess given that description, you guys can imagine what it is we're going to be talking about. I do want to talk about eating disorders. So like I've said before, this is a podcast dedicated to all things mental health. And there is a huge, huge um, correlation between an eating disorder and mental health issues. And so I really want to um, talk about that because um, there is a correlation between an eating disorder and depression, anxiety, uh, sometimes a personality disorder. There's a lot of components that could uh, factor in. And so um, today we're going to start by uh, talking a little bit about bulimia and I'm going to allow Bella to share her story. Um, So bulimia, Bella, educate me here if I am saying this the wrong way. Um, Bulimia is essentially when you binge eat in a given moment, okay? You binge eat, whether it's whatever the food is, it could be cake, it could be sweets, it could be salty food. Um, you have a large consumption of food and then you, uh, compensate, uh, by throwing it up, purging or laxatives or laxatives. Okay. And so that is bulimia. And that's the one we're going to be talking about the most today, because that is what Bella is familiar with. However, there is also anorexia, which is where you just restrict any intake of food. Um, so you could like... You, you see a person with anorexia and you'll see them having like a Sprite can with like almonds and that's their dinner, their lunch and their breakfast. Not even. Not even? Yeah. Okay. Not even. Some people don't eat at all. Some people eat very minimal. Um, it really depends on the person. Um, some people eat very minimal and then, you know, overcompensate with exercise hours and hours a day, which is more orthorexia. Okay. Um, But as far as bulimia goes, it can be either. You can either overeat um, or you can just not eat and then purge or um, eat a little bit and purge. I mean, I think the main factor is the purging. What would be the difference between the two at this point, Um, anorexia and bulimia? Purging. The purging aspect. Yeah. Okay. Um, But I think different doctors will diagnose it differently right um depending on each person's specific behaviors okay that they're engaging in um i specifically have dealt with both bulimia 
and binge eating disorder and somewhere in between, which I guess would be classified as Ednos, eating disorder, not otherwise specified. Okay. Um, but I've definitely dealt with both. I think through college, um, I dealt with a lot of binge eating. Um, I'll start back when I, I was very young when I started um, engaging in eating disorder behavior. Okay. I would say the earliest I remember was probably nine. Wow. Um, and I think it became a real problem um, around the age of 14. Uh, when I was 15, I had a very traumatic experience that kind of sent me off the edge. Um, and it was full-blown, you know, bulimia at that point. Um, and this is funny because I haven't really shared this with a lot of people, but it's very it's cathartic. Um, I'm glad that you feel that way. That's yeah. what this space is for. Yeah, no, absolutely. And who better than with you? Awesome. And guys, you know, this is somebody that I have always said, it's been 10 years, and this is somebody that I've always said, you know, had kind of a big role in saving my life um, at this particular treatment center where I was because it was a very um, hostile place. <laughs> who you telling, sis? <laughs> and a place that actually harmed me tremendously health-wise, um, actually gave me type 2 diabetes and other things that were just outrageous. Wow. Um, but, you know, mentally, I think there's a lot to be said for those people who, instead of treating patients like numbers, they treat them like people and like humans with feelings. Wow. Um, even if they can be difficult. Because, of course, you have to understand going into treatment centers, these women and, and, and men and, you know, people are going to be difficult because they're sick. Yeah. And I was by far the most difficult in my life at that point that I've ever been. You were a treat. <laughs> you were fun. I enjoyed you so much. I'm very direct and I was... 15 times more direct because I was sick and Irritable. annoyed <laughs> all the time. Um, but it's true that I, you know, I do credit Olivia with a lot of my healing because it, she was one of the people that understood or tried to understand and tried to, you know, help us move on instead of throwing a coloring book at us and telling us to color My Little Pony. Uh, which is what everybody else did. Oh, wow. Um, that's epic. And you know that that's accurate. I sure do. Um, you know, and, and she would treat us like people, and it was like, all right, you want to walk to get your own water? You can walk to get your own water. You know, it was it was different. It was, it, you know, it made being sick much easier. Um, Thank you. And healing. No, of course. And and she's crying, which is, you A know, little bit. That, Sounds like, a re- sounds like a regular day in the life you know? of Olivia when we cry. Um, I do want to add to what Bella is saying because um, I want to go into a little bit about what my job was. So my job was basically to keep these girls safe. That was the job of a recovery coach. Um, I was not a qualified therapist at that time, but I was an aspiring one. I wanted to be one. And so when I first got this job, I was like, oh my God, this is the perfect way for me to get my feet wet, for me to have an opportunity to really immerse myself into my field and really learn. Um, at that point, I think I still had an associate. I don't even think I had a uh, bachelor's degree yet. No, I actually didn't. We were babies. I was a baby. I was like 23, 24. And so anyway, oh my gosh, how time has flown. Anyway, <laughs> 
So my job was to keep the girls safe um, because a lot of these girls engaged in purging and, and uh, vomiting and whatnot. I had to go with them to the bathroom. I had to. Um, it's really violating. It, it, it is really violating. Um, and and because I knew that, I really tried to be extra sensitive about it. Um, I also had to stay with them overnight. So they had, um, because it was an inpatient treatment center, they had um, little apartments that the girls would stay in and I would stay with them and I would have to stay up all night and and just kind of make sure that they weren't like purging or over-exercising. You saw weird shit, girl. I sure did. <laughs> that is... <laughs> Well, we put but, y'all through a lot. We really did. <laughs> I'm not. You guys didn't do too much to me because I was nice to you guys. So you guys didn't make no, my life a little bit. No, but I think as a whole, we really, we really pushed everybody's buttons on purpose because okay. we were angry. Yeah, and that makes sense. And that makes sense. But um, so anyway, one night I stayed up, and one of the girls, um, and you know who it is. You're actually still friends with her today. One of the girls was like, "I can't sleep. Can you come sit with me?" And I was like okay sure so i went and sat with her mind you i am inexperienced i don't even have a bachelor's degree in psychology this is like one of my first real experiences in the field and she was like can you come sit with me i can't sleep i'm like she's a female i'm a female i see nothing wrong with it so i sat on the bed until she fell asleep and then i left apparently she processed in group therapy the next day how helpful this was to her and then the therapist pulled me aside and was like how could you do that? How could you sit on her bed? You don't know if these girls have sexual trauma. Like, what is wrong with you? Instead of, like, making it a teachable moment for me that I'm young and I'm new to the field and being like, hey, Olivia, listen, you know, in the future, you know, just grab a chair or, you know, in the future, tell her that it's not appropriate, set a boundary, whatever. Like, educate me, teach me. She shamed me and I felt Horrible. I felt like I did something so wrong. And I can vouch for this person. <laughs> this was entirely helpful. Oh um, my god. You know, and 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 I think there it's so true that the system is flawed. But we'll get back into that. Yeah, we'll get back into that. We'll but I just wanted to back into the system because I have a lot of feelings about the system. Yeah, we have a lot of feelings about this clearly, but I just wanted to share that little tip because I'm like, man, that was such a teachable moment. It could have been such a good moment for her to yeah, educate well, I me. remember that lady and she sucks. So she straight sucks. Sorry, lady. Listen, we're not gonna name no names because we classy up in here. But if y'all curious to know what we're talking about, you can message me. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> so with that said, okay, Bella. So when you went into this treatment center, at this point, things had spiraled. Things had spiraled. Um, I was 16. Okay. I turned 17 in treatment, um, which was actually really fun. We had a big birthday party and you know, whatever. But it, it is a really vulnerable place in your life to be yeah. 16 years old. You need your mom. You need your parents. And, you know, here I was in the middle of Miami and... You know, my grandmother lived in town, but she didn't know because my parents were afraid to tell her that I was sick. And, you know, it was just, it's, it, you're in such a weird place. I was, by the time I went into treatment, I was probably binging and purging five, eight times a day, maybe more. Um, when I had gotten my license earlier that year, um, it, it, it was when it really blew up because I was able to drive. So I was able to go through drive throughs and go to the dollar store and I was able to, you know, get things to to binge with, you know, without my parents overseeing things. Right. Um, and I think 
you know, I'm sorry I'm all over the place, but... It's okay. I'm always all over the place on my <laughs> podcast. But I, I think, um, you know, like I said, I started when I was, you know, I think my earliest memories are nine. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think eating disorders um, can be a product of your environment, a product of trauma, yes. a product of maybe even genetics. Mm-hmm. A product of seeing other people engage in those behaviors. A lot of different things. Sure. Um, and, you know, I haven't really been able to pinpoint exactly why. Um, I And I think that, there, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, it, it can be... I think, I know especially in that particular treatment center, they were very quick to blame my parents. Right. Um, and while I think there was a lot of weight focus in my family... Right. Um... I would never blame my parents. Right. I think I have incredible parents who have put up with so much more than they should have. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's got to really be difficult to be a mom. I don't know what that's like, but I have to, you know, imagine, you know, I, I was not really that overweight as a child I was gordita but I wasn't right you know anything concerning but I think a lot of you know in today's society it's very easy to, to judge a child and be like oh you know they're fat they gotta they gotta get on it absolutely and there's such a health focus right now and, and health and weight are so misconstrued for each other often yeah um and I understand that they go hand in hand of course they can on some level yes you know but as a child I think you know, environment-wise, it wasn't my parents. I think it was a lot of other people being like, well, you know, she needs this and she needs that. And my mom was like, well, I don't know what to do. She looks okay to me. And, and you know, we're both Latina. And in right. Latino cultures, there's such an emphasis on weight. And the oh, way yeah. that they say it, it's not like Well, other. gorda is used as a term of endearment. And right. And I do it too, and I shouldn't. Like, hola gordita, hola gorda. I call like, my nieces yes. gorda, and I'm like, oh my God, what if that screws them up, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I do it because... Now we think about it twice. And it's they're crazy. not even... They're even a little bit chunky I just do it because I'm like oh my god I, that's like to me like oh my god I love you right you know Gordo is like I always my had, dog um, Gordo. my grandmother may she rest in peace she would always be like Eres linda, pero está gordita. It's the, you have a pretty face. You have a pretty face, but we need to get your act together, your life together, because you know, you you chunks. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is like, I think it's very cultural. It is. You know? I think it is. And I remember like growing up, you know, hearing people say things to my mom and my mom would be like, oh, okay. You know, and I think I, I, my mom kind of began to worry a little bit about my health and Right. And then people would suggest, you know, I remember a specific person uh, in our lives at the time. And I know that my mom regrets this. I know that my mom regrets this. This specific person said to my mom, you know, I think we should put her in Weight Watchers. And I remember my mom hesitating and being like, I don't know. And and this person took me to Weight Watchers at nine years old. Um, and I remember watching these people and just being like you know, why am I here? Like, there were all these, like, older people giving these little chips to each other and, like, clapping for losing weight. But I was like, I don't, like, you're little. You shouldn't be worrying about that. You don't know, you right. know? And I think my mom just didn't know any better. Right. Um, at the time, I was her first child. You know, she didn't She didn't know. Um, and so I think there's so many factors 
in your life that play into these things. There are so many. And when I think back, I don't blame her. I blame that person. You know, I blame that person. And I think about that person and I'm like, oh man, the things that could have been prevented from that. Um, And And it's crazy too, Bells, just to add to what you're saying, that sometimes people think they mean well. And they don't realize necessarily the damage that they're doing. Because maybe this person thought, oh, I'm such a good person. I'm suggesting Weight Watchers because, you know, she really needs it. And and, and it's really, there are so many ways. Yeah, like there are so many ways to address health with your children. Because I do think you should intervene early with health. I do think that's important. But there are appropriate ways to do that. Absolutely. There are ways to empower them and make your children feel like they have control over their lives. And just sort of be like, hey, listen. Health is important. So let's exercise together. Let's do this together. But you are beautiful. You are perfection. Yeah. You know, like not to be like, you're fat. No one's ever going to love you. And let me get you on a diet because, you know, and unfortunately right. a lot of us have been through that. A lot of people are like that. Yeah. And you know what? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because in my family, in my immediate circle, we don't really have that. You know, we Thank have, God. we have, um, some exercise freaks in the family and some food freaks in the family and it's just, <laughs> everyone's just kind of average and yeah you know no one when I went in to treatment I think everybody was stunned I, I think I was a for somebody who cannot lie for shit right I managed to hide this for years and years right. and I think that's you know that's what an eating disorder is it's 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 a way to regain control yes um and I I think everybody was shocked because they're like we don't have any of these problems Right. You know, where is she getting this? We don't have any of these issues. Um, and it's so many internal demons. I think there's a lot of things that go into this that you can't blame on other people. Right. Um, and I and I don't. Um, and I, I remember being in middle school. Um, and I think society plays a huge part of it. Of I remember being in middle school and purposely, you know, trying to starve myself. And then after a couple months, you know, of on and off and I wasn't starving myself you know regularly it was more like leading into like a bulimia type situation um and I was you know 13 and it was becoming pretty regular and one day I broke down and and spoke to a teacher about it wow that particular teacher brought some students in and spoke to the students about it told people that I was lying and then called my mom and said that I was making it up. So she invalidated your whole experience. Right. And I was really dealing with this. I was really truly dealing with this. And maybe I didn't go about it the right way, but you're young. How do you know how to do that? Right. And I was told, you know, well, you look fine, so there's nothing wrong with you. And so that became my thing. Well, I look fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I look fine. So the sicker I got... As I went into high school, I was gaining weight because I was consistently binging. Right. Um, I thought, okay, well, I look fine. So there's nothing wrong. Right. And I think that was what almost killed me because I, you know, the you look fine was like, oh, well, I'm not underweight. So how can I be that sick? I'm okay. And it wasn't until I passed out at boarding school in front of people in 10th grade um, because I hadn't eaten for a couple days and um, that week anything I ate I I was completely purging um, that somebody said something is really wrong 
Um, and my headmaster at the boarding school called my mom and said she needs treatment. We've been monitoring her. She's very sick. She needs treatment, and she can come back when she's well. Well, that was in April, <laughs> and I never went back. Um, I, my mom uh, had my aunt and my cousin come pick me up. They flew me to Florida, and by next week, I was in this place in Miami. So let me stop you for a second. Mm-hmm. So let's clarify once again. Binge eating disorder is when you overeat, you eat a large consumption of food, and you don't do any behavior to compensate. So there's no vomiting, there's no purging, and there's no laxatives. The bulimia is where there is the laxatives. There is the purging. That is going on. Yes. But you're also binging. And so let me ask yes. you this. Or not. Or you're just not eating. Or you're just not eating. A lot. So yeah. with anorexia, it's typical that people are underweight, correct? Absolutely. So anorexia, people, you know, not always, but mostly always, people tend to be underweight. And whereas bulimia or uh, binge eating disorder, it tends to be more regular weight, maybe a little bit overweight. What's the situation weight-wise there? I think I, I have met plenty of binge eaters that are average weight and you would never know. Um, I have met plenty of bulimics who are average weight. Right. Um, and you would never know. And then there are also, you know, more on the anorexia side, bulimics who are underweight. Right. Um, so there's a little so bit of everything going on. You can't on. tell by looking at people. Yeah. And that was what almost killed me was that nobody could tell. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times looking at people with anorexia, you, you know that something is wrong. Um, and with me, you know, apart from scars on my fingers, from sticking them down my you throat. You look like an average girl. I looked like an average girl. I looked like I gained a little weight. And I remember hearing people say things to my mom at family parties. I remember specifically somebody said to my mom, um, you know, she's gained a lot of weight and I heard it and I thought, all right, I'm going to feel like time to fight that. And I was at a party and I went to the bathroom and I, you know, did what I had to do. And I felt like that happened a lot. It's almost like a game you play in your head that you, you want to, you want to challenge people. You almost want to beat people. Right. Um, and their thoughts about you. So you just internally have this conflict. Um, and I, I, I think that's very common for all people with eating disorders. It's like, you know, oh, well, you think this? Well, guess what? I can do this. I can do this better. I can, I can, I can show you. Were you ever diagnosed with anything in conjunction with the eating disorder? Any depression, anxiety? Um, I definitely have anxiety. Okay. I have a lot of anxiety. Um, I always have. Um, I have had moments of depression, but I don't have clinical depression. Okay. More situational? Yeah, more okay. situational. Okay. Um, I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings. I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> and sometimes I'm really good at showing them, and other times I just explode after not being able to show them, you know? Right. It just depends, but I... Um, I have not been diagnosed with any other mental health disorders, no. Okay. But you do acknowledge that you have some anxiety, you said. I do have anxiety, yes. Okay. And, and, you know, as far as the eating disorder goes, that doesn't just go away. Um, I went in treatment when I was 16, and I would say today it's still in my mind every day. I don't act on those behaviors. I haven't acted on those behaviors in... <sighs> I think the last time I engaged, really engaged in one of those behaviors was probably three years ago. 
You know, it's a well, lifelong thing. Yeah. And good to be honest about that. Yeah, it's a lifelong thing. You wake up, you think about it, you go to bed, you think about it. Something triggers you, you think about it. If yeah. you have a trauma flashback, you think about it. I mean, it just is what it is. It's in your head all the time and anybody, you know, that I'm friends with from treatment will tell you the same thing. Right. That that you just have to learn how to live your life, you know, with that in the back of in your spite mind. Of it. Yeah, and and you know it doesn't define me. It doesn't it doesn't define any of us. But it, it maybe proud isn't the right word, but it is something that I'm proud to have overcome. And you know I'm proud to be a survivor. I'm proud of you too. Thank you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> uh, for putting up with us. Mostly. Oh, it was my pleasure. It um, does not work at all. And you know this is actually really like. I think this is so full circle that this is happening, right? Isn't it? Can you imagine 10 years later that we're doing a podcast about this? This is super full circle. After this, we should tell a funny story. But We should. Um, like the fact that I was 16 and carried around a blanket named Krusty <laughs> that maybe got washed once and went everywhere with me to Target, in the car, to sleep, to therapy, to the bathroom, to doctor's appointments, to everything. And they could not get me to get rid of this oh my God. crusty crusty and big bird i had like 15 big bird stuffed animals and nobody understood why i was really going through it guys um y'all think i'm crazy now you should have met me back then she is not crazy she is a delight it was it was bad um so can you tell me a little bit about healing what that looks like and what are some words of encouragement that you might have for people that are dealing with because you're being very 100 you're keeping it very real right now. You're basically saying this is a daily thing. Like you have to actively work at it. It's a daily thing, especially when you were in, you know, and and not to blame anybody else, but you're so delicate when you're going through, yes. you know, these problems that if you don't have correct help, I mean, I I honestly Agreed. give most of my healing credit to myself and to my family Amen. because. When I left that place, I was so sick physically. I mean, they really threw me off the edge. Right. Um, and they wouldn't even release my records to my parents, and I was underage. I, um, you know, was so sick. I think I may have come out of there worse in a, in a different way than I went in. Physically, for sure, and mentally even, because I have trauma from there, for sure. Yeah. You see a lot of really scary things and you hear a lot of really scary things in there. I mean, that was not a nice place to be. I definitely agree with Bella that a lot of the people there and now I can say this as a master's level clinician that has met all requirements for licensure. Okay. Gotta say it in case, you know, anybody comes at me. As a therapist, I look back and I think so many of the people there were not equipped to work there at all. Oh, no. At all equipped no. to work there. And if you are going to work with people that you know, have eating disorders, have mental health issues, whatever the case may be related to mental health, you need to be compassionate. You need to be sensitive. You need to be understanding and you need to be loving. You need love. Yes. And I think, you know, there were a couple people there that I, that I will say I, we felt loved by and we loved and it's, it's a weird relationship, right? Because there was a you're living with these people. Yeah. You're living with these people. They're living with you. They know you in ways that nobody else knows you. Right. Um, it's very intimate. It, it is in a really messed up way. Right. And so I think as far as I went, 
my healing process was a little bit different because I had to start from scratch. I went home and everybody's walking on eggshells because no one even understood that you were sick and then all of a sudden you're in treatment for how many months and then you go home and everybody has to relearn everything. Um, And, you know, my parents only knew what the doctors were telling them. Right. So, you know, they had to set me up with, with dietitians, nutritionists, uh, psychiatrists, Therapists. psychologists, yeah. everybody, primaries. Um, and, you know, I lived in a very small town of Vero Beach where it was very limited. Um, so I had a really bad experience there, too. Um, I had to start a new school. A lot of different things were happening at once um, after I left. And so I think my healing process was a little bit different. And everybody's is a little bit different. Um, but... I think once I picked myself up from that, and once, and it took me years to normalize my life. I think once I moved to Miami, you know, two years later was when I started to really regain my life back. Um, I think it's a very personal process. You have to relearn everything. You have to relearn relationships. You have to relearn food which is crazy because you need food to live it's not like you know not to say anything about addiction not being hard because i can't even imagine how hard you know drugs are but absolutely but it's a little bit different because you don't need those things to survive right but food you need to survive and if you don't know how to use that correctly it can be really dangerous i'm so glad you're addressing this this is so so important for somebody to relearn that yeah Relearn their relationship with food. It's, it's hard. And I still have kind of a messed up relationship with food. I still work at it every single day. Same. I, when I'm emotional, the first thing I want to do is eat Taco Bell. And I, I know that sounds funny to you, but I'm serious. Like, when I'm stressed. But people have that. Like, I that's literally amazing. will, you know, and that's why it's so important to redefine, like you said, your relationship with food. And redefine your relationship with yourself. Because I'm sure self-love plays an enormous role in healing, you know? Yeah, and you know, like I said, you have to relearn everything. Um, your family has to relearn everything. Wow. It's a healing process as a unit. Right. Um, and, you know, as your own person. Um, and I think once I got over, you know, having to deal with the health issues that this place created for me, I was able to kind of allow myself to be more free and to kind of learn to live again right. um, and allow myself that freedom and and once I did that you know I had a really rough couple of years after I got home um, for a lot of different reasons but I think it really when I moved to Miami was when I was able I spent a lot of time with my family down here I got really involved in the church for a little bit which did not work out but you know it was helpful while while it was happening yeah um and there were just a lot of things that played into it that were helpful um, in my healing process. My parents learned, you know, how to speak to me about weight, how to not speak to me about weight, how to. Um, it's great they were know, receptive to that. Be too. there when, I, yeah, absolutely. And I think now more than ever, now that I, you know, they see that I'm really good in that aspect, they don't mention it, you know. And and um, I know my mom on occasion will say things like, wow, you look really healthy, your skin looks really pretty, or, you know, things that are so small but make such a big difference. Right. Um, and not that she has to say anything at all, 
But it's so cool to see how things, you know, have changed where all you have to do is sit down and be like, hey, mom, can you say this instead of this? Or, hey, can we talk about this? And I think a lot of people, you know, would be able to vouch for me when, when I say that this really is a healing process for everybody. Right. Um, and that people have to learn. Everybody learns in these things and, you know, with everything. And the important thing is to be open to learning. Yes, to be open to learning and, <laughs> and to be... Um, to be there for each other and to be there, you know, for your family members and, and my, I have to say my parents have, have really come a long way and have, have been incredible. And, and my mom, you know, now we talk about it every once in a while, but it's not an active part of my life. So we don't, you know, bring it up often. Right. And if I do, she gets so angry and she's at that place. Cause she's like, they messed you up and yeah, you know, but it's it's so cool to be able to talk to her about it if I needed to. Which is awesome. Hey, I'm having a hard day. And I know that she would be like, all right, talk to me about it. And she would try to get it. Awesome. Um, and I think that's so important. And I, I do want to say also, you know, while we're on this, is that not everybody's healing process is like this. And no one's healing process is the same. True. And unfortunately, there are so many people who don't have this kind of story. Um, and I do want to give a special, you know, kind of recognition to, you know, one of my best friends um, who we lost two years ago. And I hope that her sister hears this um, because, you know, when talking about families who are so supportive and, you know, sometimes it doesn't turn out like this. Um, and, you know, we, we lost Stephanie two years ago to, you know, anorexia and, her family was incredible. And I think that just goes to show you that sometimes you're so sick that you just can't get out of it, no matter what your support system is like. Um, and it shows you how incredibly powerful eating disorders are. Um, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter who you cross paths with, sometimes just it, you're illness is so strong that it you you know you're not able to overcome it and unfortunately it's so common and I do want to say that's why it's so important and and I I knew Stephanie not very well um, but I I knew her uh, a little bit I do want to say how important it is in, in situations like these to really make sure you are getting as much help as possible because and early and early and just make sure that you are doing everything that you can because and and of course like Bella said a support system you know is key it is super important but it's not everything right it is super important one of the most important things but it is not everything there needs to be a great therapist in play which brings me to the system Oh, oh, we go to the system now. Because, you know, and, and I think Tell about, us about this the system, all sis. the time. Because Stephanie <laughs> had such an incredible support system. Oh, man. You know, and her family. Like, I, nobody could ask for better than what Stephanie had. You awesome. Know? And, That's beautiful. And the system failed her. And I really do believe that the system failed her. Um, I think the system failed me, too. And it just... You just I happen was able to... to get out of it, and I, and I would do anything for her to get out of it too. You know, I, it just, it worked out differently, and I, I miss her every day, and I wish it hadn't. Um, 
But the thing with the system is that they, their idea is they put you in, they force feed you, Wonder Bread and Donuts, and then they ship you out when you're at normal weight. But that is not how to heal somebody. It's got to be mind, body, and soul. Love, you need major mental therapy. Major. You need compassion. Yes. You need friendship. Yes. You need, uh, you know, not coloring books. This is the second time she mentions the coloring books. Obviously, she felt some type of way about the coloring. Painting time. (laughs) And weird, like, My Little Pony movies and shit. Like, who does that? Anyways. We we need to... We need to fight this, and we need to fight for Stephanie and for everyone else that yes, I has think, been a victim to this. You know, and I, I, I think that every place that she went to seemed to have done the same thing. And I'm using her as an example because I was so close to her yes. that I saw everything of what she went yeah, through. Yeah, you personally witnessed it. Um, you know, but their idea is just about the weight. And eating disorders are so, so much, much more... more than a number. And I think that's what we need to change about society because people think, oh, anorexia, well, she doesn't... Somebody said to me the other day, oh, well, you know, she's losing weight and because she just doesn't like the way she looks or about, about somebody else. And I said, what? I said, no, she doesn't have anorexia because she doesn't like the way she looks? That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, people who have anorexia don't like the way they look as anorexics either like it's not yeah it, it really has nothing to do with weight and that's what my whole 40 minute rant is about <laughs> i love it i love your rant. nothing to do with weight it's just so happens that your mind finds it more effective to take it out on your weight because that's the only thing you feel you can control in that moment that's such a powerful statement you just made but you are not thinking about your weight you are thinking about what's going on inside and that's just happens to be how you're dealing with it and reverting back to the system now I really want to go ahead and re-emphasize the importance of proper training you need to properly train your employees if they're going to work in an inpatient center especially but in general even if it's Hell outpatient yeah. you need to train them you need to train them well okay listen i am not licensed and i cannot imagine working with somebody like me back then like i don't know what i would have said if i had come in contact with 16 year old bella cuz looking back that bitch was nuts <laughs> And I talk to my friends about this all the time, and we're like, "Do you remember the shit we used to pull in there? Like, we were, we were so bad. We were so bad." And I don't remember. I don't know how any of you even really dealt with that, because when you're that sick, you don't care. Yeah. You don't care about how other people feel. You don't care. But I think it's the people, the staff, everyone from the coaches to well, that's what I'm saying. You need the to therapist you need to be licensed needs to understand that that's where you're at when yeah. you're in that mind state and be compassionate toward that and be able to work with that and really be able to relate to the people there and let me tell you the stuff that we got away with oh my god I know I remember throwing up in the trash cans behind the apartments oh my god things that we should never have gotten away with and that are not funny but it's just Looking back at it, we're like, oh my god, 
You know, how were we ever in that state? Thank God that never happened on my watch. I never saw y'all do all that. No, that was not on your watch. (laughs) We know whose watch that was on. Oh, yeah. But I think um, it, it just... Things have to change as a society and as a yes. system. Um, and looking back on my experience as a whole, it is a journey, and it's a it's a long journey, and it's still happening. I mean, I like I said, I still wake up in days, and and physically too. Right. I mean, I wake up sometimes, and and my stomach hurts, and I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on? And there's residual things that come from that. I have scars on my knuckles. Right. I have, um, you know, no enamel on my teeth. Um, my metabolism is totally messed up. Wow. Uh, I have given myself a lot of stomach issues. Um, I'm surprised that I haven't made myself sicker. Um, and I know, you know, there are several of my friends who have experienced even worse things. Right. Um, after, you know, recovering from their, you know, eating disorders. Uh, but I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I'm in this space right now in my life. And I do talk about it often just because I, I find that it's helped other people to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, my best friend who was in treatment with me, um, who is one of my favorite people ever, and we drive each other nuts, but she's like my sister, and I'm not going to name her just in case she doesn't want to be named. But... We talk about these things all the time, and we laugh about it all the time, even though it's not even a little bit funny. We laugh all the time about it because we're like, I remember my last day in treatment looking at all of these other girls who had just come in and being like, oh God, was I like that? Like it, it, you get into this mindset and it's just, once you're there, it's not that you forget, but it's just, it's such a good place to be that you're like, oh my God, was I, was I there at that point? Like, was I ever, when you're in that space that you're so sick, you don't see it and everybody else can see it, Wow. but you don't see it. And then when you transition, when you start to cross over to a healthier point, you start to look back and be like, oh my Jesus, like there was something really wrong. And then you just never want to be in that space again. You just promised yourself that you're never going to be there. And does that always work out? No. You know, it's it's a daily struggle. Right. And, you know, anything can set it off. Um, but I would say as a whole, uh, you know, as far as eating disorder wise, I'm, I'm, you know, not 100%, but I work at it and um, I'm, I'm, not to use the word normal, but you know, I would say I'm I'm in a great place. Wonderful. And um, you know, unfortunately, I would say because of the system, you know, a lot of the girls that I was in treatment with are not, because they did not get the correct kind of help. Um, and that is so incredibly important that you do. Yes. Um, and you know, like I said, I was refed. And I didn't need to be refed. I was not underweight. And for those of you who don't know, refeeding is when, um, you know, a a center, a treat, a particular treatment team tries to put an anorexic person back on um, a feeding schedule, and you know, try to try to get them to gain weight. 
Um, and I didn't need to be refed. I was already overweight when I went in there and, and not that weight, you know, particularly matters, but it made me very physically sick. Um, and so I think, you know, that treatment center was, was particularly young. It was only a couple years old. Yeah. Um, at the time. And I think that that might've had a lot to do with it, but you know, we were kind of the guinea pigs. I pray that they've come a long way since and that they have made improvements since. I pray for that. And But you know, that's not the only place that this happens. This happens everywhere. Yeah. You know, I that's would... That's terrifying. I would... I've done a lot of research because when Stephanie was sick, I did a lot of research to try to help her. Um, and I would say that there were not even a handful of places that I would send anybody I love in the country. So we need to do better as a country. We need to do better as a country. That's what it that that's what it boils down to. We need to do better as a country and as a society. About mental health in general. Mental health in general. But especially, you know, I think in the last couple of years there have been more there's been more attention called to eating disorders. Um, mm-hmm. but again I think it's specifically focused on anorexia. Right. Um, you know, with the models and doesn't the explore the it different doesn't explore types. the other ones and they're just as valid. Correct. And just as real. And, you know, I've had people say, well, at least it wasn't anorexia. And I'm like, and the you body have no shaming. idea how hard that was. The body shaming that goes on in this world. I mean, now we have Lizzo being body shamed. And I love Lizzo. I love that bitch. So oh much. God. Like 100% that, that bitch. Is, she is amazing. She is beautiful. She is powerful. She She's is beautiful. And, bitch. I love her. And people are body shaming her. And I mean, th- this um, personal trainer. That booty, <laughs> like, come on. That personal trainer, Jillian Michaels, actually came on and said a disparaging comment about her and her size. And I'm just like, people need to stop. There are ways to address health, you know, matters. If you are not a medical professional, you should not be addressing my health. Right. Period. You know, because I am overweight. I am not diabetic. I don't have cholesterol issues. I don't have hypertension. May I develop it one day? Possibly. Is there a correlation between being overweight and those issues? Yes. But I'm only going to allow a medical professional to talk to me about my size, my weight, my health, and what I need to do moving forward. Yeah. Otherwise, y'all need to be quiet. And she's a personal trainer. I get it. So you, you should be able to address, you know, health, but in a way that is constructive. Why are you body shaming this woman? Like, we need to stop body shaming, period. Thinner women, bigger women. We are well, all beautiful. I think there's beautiful. a very fine line that there is. is often crossed. There but is. I think there's a very fine line in this world, especially right now, between shaming and trying to, you know, push youth to be healthy. And there's different ways right. to do so. Right. You know, and... and um, I see this a lot and I'm so lucky to be, you know, part of my family where there's a lot of young children whose parents are very body positive. Um, awesome. And also, you know, health positive. So it's like, well, you want a lollipop? Okay, go get a lollipop. And then, you know, we're going to eat some cauliflower for dinner and then, you know, we'll work out and then we'll do this and we'll do that. And it's not a weight focus. It's a life focus and and a balance focus i love that i love that and i know and it's true when i watch my cousins and my siblings you know raise their children i'm like this is so freaking cool that they're raising every single one of them is raising their kids 
in this incredible manner that's just like a balanced thing. And to piggyback off of what you're saying now, I wanna I wanna say, and this is clinically speaking now, if you make disparaging comments to your child about their weight, it is actually counterproductive and they will actually eat more and they are more more likely to uh, have issues with obesity throughout their lifetime. Okay? So what Bella is saying is absolutely correct be body positive education education be body positive you know find a way to make it a positive um beneficial experience a bonding experience even between you and your child not disparaging not oh my god you're so fat look at you you know what's wrong with you look at how much you're eating no shaming no blaming that's gotta go it's counterproductive and i think it's a family thing right like i think it's a learning process because it is. maybe you know maybe there are people that whose parents were a certain way or whose family was a certain way and you just as a society we have to do better we do and we have to want to learn how to, how to speak about these things yes and i'm not saying that weight is not important right it is important we are not saying that it is important right being overweight is not healthy right however it's mentally damaging to speak about it in a certain manner. Right. Or to um, engage in behavior that's only going to make it worse. Right. Uh, so I, you know, like I said, we have to do better and we have to work harder. We have to do better and we need to stop body shaming and we need to just, we need to spread love and we need to um, uplift people. And, and you know what's what's interesting? I, I don't want to say funny, but it is kind of funny. That I remember having this conversation with Stephanie one day. And she said to me, you know, I don't think about anybody else's weight. Like, I don't see weight in anybody. And I was like, what do you mean you don't see weight in anybody? And she's like, I don't see that. Like, when I talk to people, I talk to their souls. I don't talk oh, that's to their beautiful. bodies. God bless that's, you, That's Stephanie. how Stephanie was. That's what she was. She goes, I see... Beautiful. People, you know people for who they are and I was like that's so bizarre because I feel like as people with these issues you know you would be hyper focused on people's weight you would weight be hyper focused yeah. on people's weight but that wasn't the case and, I, and I'm the same way I try not to see that I try to see your soul and your person and who you are and that just doesn't matter to me um and everybody's different but but that particular moment really stuck to me yeah uh because I remember like looking at her and being like well that's interesting but it was so cool that it was just like she's like I don't care like, I don't care about people's like and and it was she used to tell me so much it's not about food it's about me and what's going on inside of me and what I'm struggling with in my demons but it's really not about the food um I think uh, a good place to start concluding is exactly where uh, you just uh, ended up with what Stephanie said with regards to she saw souls Mm -hmm. and not people's size or uh, physical appearance. She wasn't centered on that. And I think that energy is something that we should all take with us. Mm -hmm. You, me, everyone. We should carry that energy, that beautiful energy that Stephanie had where when we see people, we see them. We really see them and we don't see their size or their physical appearance. I try to live a lot like Stephanie. An inspiration. Special, yeah. In a way that she never saw, but she was... And, you know, that is that is the thing about 
what I found, people with people with mental health, you know, issues and, and conditions are usually really beautiful people that like are like creative. Well, thank you. Smoky. No, it's true, but it's just they they're all really fascinating people who have just been dealt demons. Yes. And, that, and, you know, it's so important to recognize that because we all feel differently, right? We're all like, oh, well, we suck. And that's just not the case. No. It's not the case. And that just makes it, you know, so much more important for, you know, the world to understand that this is, we need to normalize these conversations. Yes. And normalize Amen. all of these clapping. conversations. I'm clapping right now because I just feel like, <laughs> so strongly about what you're saying and, and so passionate about these issues and i am so grateful bella thank you so much for sharing this i'm so with, glad that we did this with us with everyone with me i know i lived a lot of it with you but there are a lot of things that i also didn't know yeah. so thank you for sharing oh, and i'm so glad we did this too and i really pray that this will help a lot of people Just... and by the way i still have a piece of crusty in my room <laughs> When I left, when I left treatment, I cut him up into like God knows how many pieces. This was like a ten foot blanket, people. I remember I, the blanket. I will never disgusting. forget the blanket. People used to beg me to wash this thing. I cut him into a million pieces and handed him out to people oh as a token to remember me because I'm a dramatic bitch. But <laughs> I don't. Everybody probably threw him out. I definitely would have had somebody handed me crusty. But. These things stay with you, as has Olivia. Oh. Um, you know, and so I'm I'm happy to be here and and talking about this and getting this conversation going because it's important. So full circle, like you said. Full circle. Like who would have thought? Here I am. You know, I'm a therapist. You overcame it. You're doing great things. She, guys, she raises so much awareness for the LGBTQ community. <laughs> she does a lot of special things for them, and I think it's so important. That could be another episode we do. Um, oh yeah, let's talk about those gays. Let's talk about it, my people. <laughs> but before, but before we do that, we have to wrap this one up because we are running out of time. But I just want to thank you again, Bella, so much for doing Absolutely. this with me. I love you so much. I love you. And um, guys, until next time, if you have any questions, any concerns, feel free to Hit reach me out. up. <laughs> Hit us up. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.